0: All right, good morning, good morning. Come on, y'all, give yourselves a hand clap for being here today. Amen. Welcome. uh, Thank you, guys, for tuning in with us online to New New Life Church of Mobile. Man, it's a great, great Sunday to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 And, uh, man, we're in a sermon series that we started last week entitled uh, New Life. Uh, Coincidentally, the name of our church, we're in a series called New Life. And uh, man, I'm excited about this series, and uh, tomorrow she started it off last week when she talked about buried, uh, forget, what was it buried in, y'all remember? Buried in brokenness, buried in brokenness, and she gave us some areas that we were buried in brokenness, and I just thought about, man, thinking about buried in brokenness, I was thinking, what was, what's a good way to follow up that message, buried in brokenness, and then I started to think back on my walk with the Lord and just a general walk with the Lord. I was like, what, once you become to a place where Jesus begins to transform your life and you begin to be buried, what is uh, and transform? what is the next step to continue the process of transformation? And I started thinking about that and I thinking about my life I was like that when God started doing something in my life, the next thing that I started to do to continue the process of transformation, was surrender, and it's like once God began to transform my life, there were things in my life that I would have to surrender in order for the process of transformation to continue, and so today we're talking about the surrendered life, the surrender life, and I saw some of your faces, oh, we got to talk about surrender again, and it's like, yes, the the life of a believer is a life of surrender, and if you don't learn how to surrender as a believer, it's going to be hard to walk this life. Because there's going to be constantly things that Jesus is going to ask us, I'm glad you surrendered that, but now I'm going to need you to surrender this. Yeah. Oh, you surrendered that? That's awesome. Thank you so much, child, but I need you to surrender this as well. And so it's a process of continued surrender in order to continue the process of being transformed, like tomorrow I talked about last week. And if you uh, didn't catch that, I would encourage you to go back and watch that, uh, or listen to the podcast. Uh, we have that available for you on our app. You could download the app, all the notes from last week's message, this week's message and previous messages they're on the app. You could download that and you could follow along. Uh, but man, talking about new life, I almost forgot one thing. This past Friday, tomorrow and I celebrated our 11th year anniversary, wedding anniversary. And uh, man, I was thinking about that and I was just thinking back, back, back to the beginning. And I'll share this quick story. I remember the day, the original date that I was supposed to propose to her, I remember it was like yesterday. For whatever reason, I don't remember why, but we were in Mobile. Because we were living in Baton Rouge at the time, and we were in Mobile. I can't remember exactly why, but we were here. But everything that I had planned was in New Orleans. And so we started the day off in Mobile, and then we drove home back to Baton Rouge. I dropped her off at her apartment. Then I went home, changed clothes, hurried back to pick her up, and then we drove to New Orleans. So I drove from Mobile to Baton Rouge to New Orleans, and I don't know what time it is. Now I guess it's like five o'clock. And so now we're at dinner, and we went to one of these fancy places that you know where is you dress up real nice, and. They give you the little small portions of food, and you pay all your money, and you're still hungry at the end. And so we went to one of those places, because originally this is the, the date that I was going to propose to her. And so after we went to dinner, we went to the ballet. And she was into ballet, so we went to the ballet. And somewhere in between the ballet, my body said, uh, self? myself said, huh? It said, you know you're tired, right? I said, I am tired. And the next thing I know, I was in there knocked out. That day got me, and I was knocked out in there asleep. She said I was snoring. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I was snoring. But I fell asleep in the middle of the ballet, and I just remember her saying she just knew that day was going to be the day that, uh, that I proposed. And when I dropped her off at the end of the night, she was disappointed, like, I just knew this was the night. But it happened a few months later on my birthday, so it was, it was good. It worked all out. But it was 11.00. Years on Friday, and we celebrated at this nice little uh, French restaurant called Le Burger King, and uh, it was—it was. It was now I'm just playing. I didn't—I didn't take her to Burger King, but, uh, but we did have a good time and uh, happy anniversaries. I know she's not in here this morning, but hey, happy anniversary, 11 years. But I talked. That just made me think about that. We're talking about new life, but this is the surrendered life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. It brings life, it brings encouragement, it brings strength. Thank you for being with us today. Open up our hearts to receive something new in Jesus' name. Amen. A surrendered life. And again, a surrendered life is a life of a believer. I don't know how you I don't know how else to tell you that. If you don't want to live a surrendered life, it's going to be hard to be a believer. It's going to hard, it's going to be hard to continue to grow in your relationship with God if you don't learn how to surrender. If somebody were to say, if you can encourage all the believers in the world with one word, unless the Lord gave me something else, I would say this, learn how to surrender and surrender quick. Because the more you put off surrendering, guess what? The the more difficult it's going to be to surrender in the end because God has called you to surrender something, but you're running from it. Then, while is the process of running, you're adding on other things that eventually you're going to have to surrender those things too, that you picked up while you was trying to run from him telling you to surrender in the first place. And it just, you, and it just snowballs on you, and you're like, "Oh, how did I get in this spot? Because you didn't surrender." So today is an encouragement. It's not a doom and gloom message. it's an encouragement. Amen. But we're going to talk about a surrendered life. And in the process of being transformed by God, if I want to continue to be transformed by God into new life, the first area that I'm going to have to surrender is, and you can write this down. This is note uh, number one. I'm going to have to surrender my desires. I'm going to have to surrender my desires. When living a surrender life of Christ, I must surrender my desires and surrender them daily. Why is that? Because whatever you feed, you will desire. Whatever you feed, you will desire. And I remember in, in, in college, um, I don't know where you're in college, but I was in college. And every single night, around 8.30, 9 o'clock ish, I would always go to the store that was literally like two minutes from my house. It was the Piggly Wiggly. I went to the local Piggy Wiggy every night around 8:30 and 9 o'clock. And y'all know what I went there for every night around 8:30, 9 o'clock? Some Bluebell ice cream. I went there every single night. And this was back when Bluebell was like a dollar something for like the little pint. Not you know the pint. I would go there every night and give me a pint of ice cream. And I went so much that every time I walked in, the manager said, Oh, he's here for his ice cream. Like everybody knew, I was there for the ice cream. And I would eat a pint of Bluebell ice cream every single night for, I don't know, it was a long time that I would eat it. But why? you we say, well, why did you eat it every night? Because the more that you feed something, the more you desire it. And it got to that point where my body was telling me around 8.30, 9.00 at top, it's time for some Bluebell. And I would get up, and no matter how tired I was, I would get up, and I would go to Piggly Wiggly, and I would get that Bluebell ice cream, and I would eat it and sit there and eat the whole thing. And then the next day, I would do the same thing. And the more that you feed something, the more you will desire it. Until one day I realized, I know I'm playing sports. I know I work. And that was my justification. Oh, I work out all the time. I'm burning all these calories. It's all right. But I can't keep living on Blue Bell ice cream every day. That's bad. Ain't no telling how much sugar in there. I don't even want to know. But the thing, the point is, the more that you feed something, the more you will desire it. And it's just like with anything. The more you feed social media, guess what you're going to desire? Social media. And some people are addicted to social media. And there's nothing wrong with social media, but if you continually feed it, you're going to desire it, and you'll look up and time is going by, buy you like, what in the world am I doing? Just wasting time away on social media. If you feed drama, guess what you're going to desire? Drama. Some people, they don't know how to live without drama. They have every television show is wrapped around drama. They trying to pull you in. Let me and and now they have the the TV shows and then they have the reunion shows. And the reunion shows are nothing but drama. And they go ask the girl, let's talk about it. What happened in this? Let's go to this episode and this clip. And they show the clip. And so what was you really thinking? And then they and they stir in the pot because why? They know that people crave drama. But the more you feed drama and drama's all around your life, guess what you're gonna desire? Drama. And it can get to the point where there's so much drama in your life that you don't know how to live outside of that. So when things are normal, you're like, wait, something's wrong. No, no, it's not that it's wrong. It's you crave drama so much that you don't know how to live a normal life. And we have to make sure that what I feed, I will desire. So in a surrendered life, I must surrender my desires because my desires will control you. Your desires will control you. And you have to ask yourself, what inside of me is desiring the things that I'm desiring, because it all stems from something. I have to ask, what is causing me to desire the things that I desire? And when I'm talking about desires right now, I'm not talking about desires to want to know God more. I'm talking about desires that pull you away from God. What are these desires that pull me away from God? And I love this passage in Colossians chapter 3 that we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to camp here for a second. It says, Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, since you have been raised to what? Ooh, new life. What's the name of this, mess- this sermon series? New life. Oh, they, they, well, look how the word does it for you, right there. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. So all of us, once you have a salvation experience, this is the beginning of transformation, and this is the beginning of what? New life. But guess what? You're going to continually have new life moments in God. Salvation experience, that's just the first step of the new life. But you're going to continually have new life experiences in God the more he begins to transform you. Because think about it. The more you surrender, then you're going to be opened up to a new life and something that you didn't have freedom in before. It's kind of like you've been walking around in the darkness in certain areas and then the light comes on. Oh, I can see now. Now I'm not bumping and running this stuff. Why is that? Because the light was come on and now you can experience a new life. So you're going to always have new life experiences in Christ the more you surrender. So since I have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. Again, this is all going to stem from your desires. We're going to get to it in a second. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth, because the things of this earth are the things that's going to cause you to want to desire things to pull you away from God. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So there is a life that we all have lived or are living that is not a real life. It's a false life. It's an imposter life. It's a deceptive life. That you think is like social media, I know I'm talking about, that's a deceptive life. Social media has a way to make you feel like you're connected with people, but you're really not. And it's like, but it's a deceptive life. But it says your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your true life is hidden with Christ. The life that you want to experience, the life that you say, oh, I would want to know God more, it's hidden in him. That's your real life. It's hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, and when Christ who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now we get into the desires part. Put away. Uh, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of the sins, th- because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do things your, in your, when your life was still a part of this world, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Oh God, don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's a good passage of scripture to remember. So we're talking about a surrendered life and surrendered desires. So what desires do I need to surrender? I mean, they just list a lot of them right here. The first thing it says we need to to surrender to or we need to get rid of is sexual immorality. What is that? That's anything that pulls you away from your purity or your innocence in God. That that could be looking at images uh, that that you know you shouldn't be looking at, watching things you know you shouldn't be looking at. Anything sexual, immoral. I don't have to go into great detail. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like anything that 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 pulls your purity away. Impurity and impurity is more than just watching it. It's looking at. It's saying things. Impurity is. The desires inside of your heart that crave things that you know you shouldn't crave. It could be lust of the flesh. It could be greed. It could be all these impurity. Lust. We talked about lust. And evil desires. What are evil desires? Evil desires is the desire to do things, to do something wrong. Evil desires, it says, put away evil desires. Anytime you have a desire to do something wrong, that's an evil desire. Because why would God give you a desire to want to do something wrong? He wouldn't. It's the enemy. So evil desires is a desire to do something wrong. It says we should surrender these desires to us because these desires will pull you away from being transformed. These desires will pull you away from living a surrendered life. Because it's going to be hard to live a surrendered life when you're bound in these things. But it doesn't stop there. It keeps going. It says get rid of anger and rage. Oh, Jesus, help us. Get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior slander, and dirty language. You know, all of these things that this passport deals with your attitudes. Not only your desires, but your attitudes. Because there's something inside of you that causes you to want to get angry. And I remember, this was I was in South Carolina, and I was on the bus. We were coming from a, a game, and we were headed back to the dorms where we were staying. And I fell asleep on the bus, and I had my earphones in. And you know how when you sleep, you can feel someone, like, over you? And, like, you, you sleep, but you're like, wait, somebody's over me. And so I woke up, and when I woke up, it was a coach, one of the assistant coaches on the bus. He was, like, leaning over the seat with a bat and saying, like, he was about to hit me. Coincidentally, he was from Alabama. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but he was leaning over the seat like he was about to hit me with the bat. And at the time, I was not saved. And so I'm asleep, I look up, and I see someone acting like they're about to hit me over the head with a bat, and so my natural reaction was, I went off on him. And when I say I went off on him, I could use language that I cannot repeat in this sanctuary. And everybody on the bus is looking at me like, this dude is crazy. Like, what in the world is going, like, talking about me, like, this dude is crazy. But I was influenced by the anger and rage that was inside of me, he just provoked it. It was already lurking inside of me. He just triggered something that was already inside of me. And because I didn't put to death the rage and the anger and all the things that I had been feeling in the moment, all I was looking for was an opportunity for those things to come out. And he just happened to be the person to trigger all those things to come out. And I'm telling you, he'd probably never talk to me again the rest of that trip. And I remember people would ask me, so how was your trip to South Carolina? And I would always go back to that story because in my mind at the time, I was proud of the fact that I went off on him. Oh, I got him good, y'all. And he did it. And I would, but a few weeks later, I got saved. And then when I look back on the situation, I say, now, why in the world was I bragging on the story what I showed no, no self-control? What I really exposed in that moment was that, Mario, you have no self-control. You can't even control your anger. Even over something that was innocent, it could have been a playful thing that he was doing, which in my mind, it didn't matter. But the rage and the anger inside of me said, oh, you're not about to play with me. And because I didn't put to death those evil desires, that anger and that rage inside of me, it just took one small thing for it to trigger and for me to go off. And when I got saved a few weeks later, I looked back and I said, man, how foolish was I? How in the world did I let that anger and that rage? And we have to ask ourselves, have I put together, to put to death, the anger and the rage inside of me? Because it will find, you will find yourself in situations saying things and doing things that you were, I, how, I, that's not me. That's not my character. Well, yes, it is. It was inside of you because you put, didn't put it to death. And as much as I would like to go back and change it, I can't. But what I can do is say, you know what, uh, anger and rage, I'm not letting you have any more room in my heart because I know what you can do. And so we have to put to death the desires inside of our heart that cause us to do these things. And once I surrender my desires, so you say, well, okay, if I surrender my desires, then, then how do I do that? What do I do? When I surrender my desires, I pursue sanctification. So I surrender my desires, but I pursue sanctification. And all these things we're going to talk about surrendering today, we're going to surrender something, but we're going to pursue something in the process. And so I pursue sanctification. And when I pursue sanctification, it says, the more I pursue Jesus and put into practice his teachings, not just study his teachings, put into practice his teachings. Because there's a lot of people that know scripture, but they don't put it to practice. So I'm pursuing Jesus and I'm putting into practice his teachings, the more I begin my pursuit of sanctification. And what is that? This is sanctification, and I'm going to just make it simple this morning. I'm going to guard my eyes. In my pursuit of sanctification, I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm going to guard what I watch and what I see. That means movies, television shows, images. I'm going to guard my eyes because I know that the eyes are the eye gate. The eyes are the eye gate to the soul. And if anything that I allow my eyes to see, if I look at it long enough, eventually I'm going to desire it. So that's why it's important that when you talk about sanctification, I'm guarding my eyes because the eyes are the eye gate to the soul, and those eventually become desires. So also, I guard my eyes, but I guard my ears. This is the music that I'm listening to, the conversations that I'm partaking in. In any type of media, whether it's podcast or clips on social media, anything, anything that can have the potential to enter my ears eventually has also the ability, like my eyes and my ears, to enter my soul as well. So I have to go. Why, you remember I talked about the situation on the bus? Why did I snap so easy? It was because of what I was listening to. When you have anger problems and rage problems, it's probably not a good idea to listen to Boosie. And that's what I was listening to at the time. Some of y'all are like, who is that? Some of y'all do know who I'm talking about. But at the time, this was like in 2004 when he was really boosy. And so it's like, that's probably not the best thing to listen to when you have anger issues. But I did. But the thing is, when you, are, you have to guard your ears and what you hear because the ear eventually will cause you to desire things and to do things that you feel like, oh, I don't even know why I desire. Yes, you do what you've been listening to. That's why you're desiring it, because you've been allowing those things to enter your ears, your ear gate. And the last thing I guard is I guard my speech. I guard my speech against negative words, against defeated words. What are defeated words? I'll never be anything. I'll never amount to anything. I can never do anything right. Nobody loves me. Defeated words. I guard my mouth against speaking defeated words, and I guard my mouth against divisive words. Well, I just don't fit in here. I, they, they made me mad. They, I'm done with them. They, they canceled. I'm finished with them. And it's like, no, I don't speak divisive words. I speak life-giving words. But the more that we give way and we guard our speech, guard our ears, guard our eyes, guess what? Now I begin the process of sanctification. And it's a lot more to sanctification. I just wanted to make it real simple this morning. But those three things is a great place to start in your process of sanctification. I guard my ears. I guard my eyes. I guard my speech. And sanctification is just not the separation of something. It's the, it's the pursuit of someone, which is Jesus. And the more I pursue Jesus, the more I become like him. And in turn, the more I become like him, the more those desires inside of me, they will begin to fade away. But I have to pursue Him, And we have to say, man, I'm going to pursue Jesus in my pursuit of sanctification, but I surrender my desires. Amen. So that's the first thing. I surrender my desires. Second thing, I surrender my thoughts and opinions. I surrender my thoughts and opinions. When my mind is transformed with Christ, I must continue the process of surrendering my thoughts and opinions to God. And I must ask myself, what is framing my thoughts and opinions? Because we all have thoughts and opinions. You can't run from them. I don't care who you are. Every single You have thoughts and opinions right now. You have thoughts and opinions of what I'm saying right now. And it's like... Everybody has thoughts and opinions that you can't run from. But you have to ask yourself, what is framing my thoughts and opinions? And the world has a system that wants to frame your thoughts and your opinions. The world has an agenda that they say, we're going to push our agenda on you, and you're going to believe what we believe, and you're going to think what we think, and our opinions are going to be your opinions, and if you don't, you're going to have heck to pay with us. That's the world system and we have to say no. I'm not going to conform to the world system and allow them to dictate what I think and what my opinions are because the more you give into the world system, guess who, who are you pushing away from? God and his nature. Because God's nature is not the world's nature. And we need to pursue and ask ourselves, what is controlling my thoughts and opinions? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 through 6 it says we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish any everyone who remains disobedient. And that same verse in the ESV, it says it this way. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So every thought that we have, it says, we take captive to make that thought uh, obey Christ, meaning that I can form what I think to, to obey what Christ says, not what I think, because I can think a lot of things. And be, How many times have you thought something, but it was there wrong? Am I the only one? So don't give way to your thoughts, because your thoughts will deceive you. And it says, but being ready to punish every disobedience for your, di- your obedience is complete. So my thoughts, the, man, your thoughts, and if you just left alone, I know I'm talking about me. If I'm left alone with my thoughts, I could go to a dark place. If I'm left alone in my thoughts for long enough, I could go to some dark places. And it could start off somewhere simple. And I was just like, man, I could think about an incident that happened, and then I'll be like, man, I could have handled that different, and then I'll start to think. That's because you're not a good person, and because you're not a good person, you'll never, you can't even please God. Cause look at you, you you had one thing to do, and you couldn't even, and then it just spirals down and down and down and down, and then the next thing you look up, you're like, oh woe is me, I'm no useful for God. I can't even, I can't even do this right. And but your thoughts can take you, to and don't go through some some trials and tribulations. Oh, Jesus, don't go through anything difficult. Them thoughts of yours will get you in a place where you just like, there's no hope. I see no end. Why do people get to the place where they feel like the only way to end it is to end their life? Because of their thoughts. They allow their thoughts to spiral so bad that they've gone to the place of hopelessness, and the only way they feel that to, to escape it is to end their life. But that's where the enemy wants you to go in your thoughts. He wants you to, but we have to say, no, no. I surrender my thoughts to Christ. And as I surrender my thoughts to him, he will renew my mind. So it doesn't matter what my thoughts and opinion says or what my views are. You know, some people say, well, I know the Bible says this, but I think it's okay if people love who they want to love because love is love. So it don't matter to me. It, 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 pe- let people live their life. Let, make them do what's happy. No, what does the word say? Because the more I conform to the world system, there's going to be other things in the Word that I'm going to say, you know what? I know the Word says this, but it's okay. No, it's not okay. And it's not coming from a place of anger. It's not coming from a place of, of, of hate. It's coming truly from a place of love because the Word is truth. And on the Day of Judgment, truth is going to be spoken. On the Day of Judgment, Jesus is not going to say, you know what? Tell me what you really thought about this, and let's talk about it. No, he's going to say, what did my word say? Did you obey my word, yes or no? It's not going to be, oh, I can talk more. No, you're not going to talk your way out of that on Judgment Day. There's no, there's, I don't care how slick of a talker you think you are. You're not talking your way out of Judgment Day, if you're contrary to what the word says, that is. But God's going to say, no, I conform my thoughts to what the word says. So I surrender my thoughts and opinions, but I pursue the word is I transform my mind in the way that I think by constantly getting into the Word of God. Because if I don't get into the Word of God, I'm left to my own thoughts, and that's not a good place. And the thing about the Word is, the more I get into the Word, God begins to have conversations with me about my thoughts. So when I do have crazy thoughts, I could go back to say, that's not what the Word of God says. I know that's a lie. And I can begin to, to point out the attacks of the enemy and the lies of the enemy because I know what the Word of God says. So if the Word of God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that I'm made in his image, then guess what? I know that there is a creator that loves me. So when the enemy tries to tell me that people don't love me, I know that's a lie because I know what the Word says. But if I never read the Word to know what it says, then how am I going to combat the lies of the enemy? I can't. Because some of the thoughts you need to, to surrender to God are even thoughts about yourself. How many time, times have we believed lies about ourselves or our self-talk is so bad that we just caught, caught up in our own thoughts about ourselves? You are never amount to anything. You, you, and, and that self-talk, those thoughts, get you into a deep place. But you have to surrender those and say, no, you come under the authority of Christ and I surrender these thoughts to, to God. And God, I need you to renew my mind through your word. Romans twelve two it says... Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs in the world. I know this is the way the world is going. I'm not going that way. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you would. You think, all of us, we need to change the way we think. There's so many different areas in the life. And some of you say, oh, I got it down on faith. But what about finances? Oh, I got it down on finances. Yeah, but what about healing? And it's like there's so many different things that we need to change the way that we think. And the only way you're going to change the way you think is if you surrender to Christ and you get in his word. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, this is a scripture that can help you when the enemy tries to lie to you to say that you never go amount to anything. It says, when you, when, when Christ helps you change the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Oh, God doesn't have a will for me. Well, what does the word says? Then you will learn to know God's will for who? For you. Meaning that if, there, if the word says it, then it's true. So God has a will for you, which is what? It's good. So is it bad? Is it terrible? Is it horrible? Is it useless? It's what? Is good and pleasing and what? And perfect. So when the enemy comes and try to lie to you, oh, you will never amount to anything. God doesn't have plans for you. Lie. Lie. And you can point it out and, you're, and train your mind to think, no, I know I, I will learn God's will for me, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And when you recite that, and guess what you're doing? You're changing the way you think. Now you're not saying, oh, yes, that's true. I, I don't see it. Who cares what you see? That's why you need faith. And faith helps you change the way that you think. It's like you speak those things that are not as though they are. Because what is that? That's changing the way you think because the world doesn't think like that. The world thinks, what do you see in front of you? Well, that's what it is. No, it's not. Just because I see it in front of me in in the spiritual realm is not what it is because I know who's on my side, and he could turn any situation around. When the Israelites were standing in front of the Red Sea, they saw water, but Jesus said, no, I see a way of escape. And just don't, it's not what you see, it's what you think about the Word of God, and you hold fast to it, and you put it into practice. Amen? Amen? So we must separate ourselves from the world system and not allow them to dictate how we see ourselves, what we think about ourselves, or how we view other people. Because you can have thoughts towards other people that God is like, You see that thought you have towards that person? You need to surrender that to me. Because you don't know the full scope of what they walk through. You don't know the full scope of what they're going through. So the thoughts that you have towards them, you need to surrender that to me. Because how many times have we had thoughts towards people, hold grudges, hold people, you know how they are. You can't, Don't let them get too close to you. And, and you have these thoughts towards people. And then God's, no, let's deal with this attitude. Let's deal with these thoughts. And then you come around and you're like, man, I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong. I did, what is I didn't know? How many times? I didn't know. Yeah, because that's where you're all in that thumb. Them thoughts are yours. Letting those thoughts run. But no, you have to change the way that you think. So I surrender my thoughts and opinions, but I pursue the word. Amen. The third and final thing is I surrender my time. I surrender my time. In order to continue to grow and be transformed, I have to make time for God. And this is not just a Sunday thing. So many people think, oh, I could be transformed by God if I just go to church on Sundays. Yeah, that's good, but that's the start, but it's gonna take more than that. I remember when Tamara and I first got married. We were married for a few months, and playing, when you play high, like high-level competitive sports, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, whatever, the competition that you experience, the higher levels that you go, there's nothing that you could do that could compare to that. And so when I stopped playing baseball at, like, that high level, there's an element of competition that I desperately missed, but I knew I could never get it back. There, like, there's there's just nothing that could compare to it. So I was like, well, the, the closest thing that I could get to competition at this point is they have this uh, flag football league, where a lot of the former athletes in the city, and it was this big, huge deal. And I was like, why well, just start playing flag football? But the only thing was, flag football would happen right after church on Sundays. So we would go to church, and as soon as church is over with, I would go home, change clothes, and go straight out the door to play flag football. And she would be like, why, why do you have to play? Why, why, why don't you want to spend time? And we're married maybe a month or two months. Why, why don't you want to spend time with me? Why can't we eat after? I'm like, I need to go play, woman. And like, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get my competitive itch. But she would always tell me, "I, I need, just stay with me, spend time with me." But in my mind, I'm like, you, she, she don't understand. She don't understand what I need. This is my. I need to. I need to feel some type of competition, and and I need to play. And I remember I played, but every time I would leave, she would be disappointed. And then when I came home, she would be disappointed as well. And eventually she would get over it. But it came to the point where I realized, is me just playing flag football worth me sacrificing time for my wife? Especially we just married. And I said, it's not worth it. So I stopped playing. And the point is, is that I showed her that I cared about her by spending my time with her. But in her mind, the more that I was away from her, was an indication, you don't really care about me. You care more about that than you do about me, which was not true, but my actions were showing that that was true. So I can't lie where I'm spending my time. So are you spending time with her? Or you flag, flag, Well, who do you care about more? I care, but what you doing? I mean, what am I going to say? Oh, I care more about her, but what was my time showing? So what you put your time in shows where your heart really lies. And so we have to say, I need to surrender my time, anything that is distracting me and hindering me from spending time in the presence of God. And we have 168 hours in a week. I think that's right. Yeah, 168 hours in a week. And we know a majority of that is spent at work. Right? The majority of it is spent at work. Here at church, it's maybe three hours a week. Hour and a half on Sundays, hour on Wednesdays. That's what, I'm, I'm, and that's what I'm, I'm saying three hours. It could be even less than that. But those three hours are crucial in your development and growth in your relationship with God. You have 168 hours a week to do whatever you want to do. Three hours a week, God is saying, give me those three hours because I want to draw close to you. But how many times do we make excuses of not to come? I don't feel like it today. I went last week. I'll go next week. I, I'm just, I just got too much on my plate, too much on my mind. If you got too much on your mind, you definitely need to be in the house of the Lord. Because now you're left to your thoughts. And your thoughts are going to get you out there in left field. So you really need to be in the house of God. But God is saying, where, where are you spending your time? You say you love me, but, but your actions and your time show otherwise where you're spending it. And God said, you must surrender your time to him because there's a lot of, th- some of us, our time is spending in just leisure, just doing what we want to do. I just, whatever it is, whether that's scrolling on your phone or watching Netflix or whatever, or whatever the whatever your leisure is, that's the time you're spending. And I remember in the youth group, there was, I've never experienced anything. I was still in the men's ministry at the time before I went, I was in the men's ministry, then I went to the youth group, but, I remember 30, 40 minutes before church would start, all of the youth would literally go to the front of the church, take tithing envelopes, their keys, their Bibles, because we used to bring Bibles to church back then, we didn't have phones, and they would leave them all out on the seats, so they wanted to mark their seat in the front. 30, 40 minutes before church start, and it was so bad it got to the point where people started complaining. These young people are always taking up all the spots in the front. They get here early, and they taking up all the spots, putting handkerchief, I mean, uh, Kleenex boxes on seats, doing all types of stuff. I need Because what? They say, I have a hunger and desire. I want to be in the front, and I want to be on time because I don't want to miss the presence of God. But what it caused was in the youth group, it was I got to be there. I can't, if I'm if I'm not at church early and in the front, I'm missing out. But it created a hunger and a culture that says, I need to be in God's presence. And the most important thing in my life is spending time in God's presence. So it got to the point, eventually they said, well, we're just going to give y'all this section. Y'all take over the section. And they did. The middle section became the youth section. And they just and took over the middle section because it got so bad. They'd they, they taken all the seats. Just put them in the middle. But the point is is that, they realized that there's nothing more precious than spending time in the presence of God, and they made it a priority. So if God is your priority, you need to make him that by your actions. And their actions show that I'm going to surrender my time to God. On Sundays, on Wednesdays, on Monday through Sunday, I'm going to spend time in the presence of God, not only at church, in my car, in my home. I'm going to spend time in the presence of God. But in order to do that, you're going to have to surrender your time. Does that mean you have to spend every single hour? No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't get legalistic on me. Pastors say I got to spend all my time in the Word and praying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't neglect the time that you need to spend with God. That's what I'm saying. Prioritize Him. Put Him in your life every single day to say I'm going to make time for Him. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, it says, and not and not I'm sorry, and let us not neglect are meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many people neglect the meeting together? There is a strength and an encouragement when you're in the house of the Lord. I don't know how many Sundays I've missed in my life, and there's not many, i since I've been saved, let me say that, since I've been saved. Preface that, since I've been saved. (laughs) Before, I I, I didn't, you know, whatever. But since I've been saved, I don't know how many Sundays, maybe if it's a vacation or something like that, it had to be super important for me not to miss a Sunday because I knew that when I get into the house of the Lord, when I see the face of other believers, there's an encouragement that comes on, on me. There's a strength. There's a joy. There, there, there's a piece that says, we're in this thing together. But the more that I'm away from it, and then I try to come into it, then I start looking around, I don't know if these are my people. I don't, I don't know if I really fit in here. Why is that? Because you're not coming around. Because you're neglecting the fellowship with other believers. But when you make it a priority, and you're coming in, It says, but encourage one another. You can find encouragement. You can come in, defeated and go out feeling like you can go bear hunting with a switch. Why is that? Because you found encouragement from the believers. But if you neglect it, you always, nobody really cares about me. I just got to walk this walk alone. No, you don't. Don't don't neglect the fellowship of other believers. And this is where we're going to end in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. It says, uh, all the believers, I'm sorry, we'll start there. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer a deep sense of awe came over all of them a deep sense of awe came over all of them and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in what one place and they did what shared everything they had so what what this scripture is telling us is this in other words they did life together they did it says they shared meals together. Now, if you share meals with that, you close. When you begin to share meals with people and you invite them into your homes and, and they you share everything with you have, guess what? Now we're building a closeness. Now we're building a community. And it says, because of that, they said miracles. We read it just we just read it, it says the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders in their midst because they were all together, joined together. Verse 45: They sold their property and possessions. And they shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Doesn't that sound like a great atmosphere to be in? All the while, they're doing this. So they're eating meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Not some of the people, all the people. So everyone was there. They were all in the midst together. Oh, you knew? Come on in. You were part of us, too. And because he said they added three thousand to them daily. So anytime someone new came in, guess what they did? You were part of us, too. You, you were part of our community, too. Come on in and join the party. All the while praising God and the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And there's a lot that we just read there, but this is what I I take. This is what I really take from what we just read. Some people have a church life, and then they have their personal life. See, my church life, these are the people I go to church with. That's the church people. But these are the people that I do life with. I go to church with these people, but my real people are the people I hang out with. But what this verse is saying is that, no, my people are the people that I go to church with. Like, these are the people that I, if I go on vacation, if I go out to dinner, that I hang out with, that I want, these are my people. They didn't separate the church life from their personal life. But so many believers separate the church life from their personal life. And the two get convoluted and they wonder why they're confused and they can never grow and mature in the things of God. It's because you're trying to separate your church life from your personal life. But the two are one. It's like I don't have a church life and then a personal life. So it's not like I'm living one way here in church, and then if y'all see me out in public, I'm living a certain No, no. How I live in here is how I live out there, meaning that everything that I do, I do it in the community of believers. This is my family. This is my people. I don't have separate people out there that just, Who, what pastor doing hanging out with them? I, I don't know. I ain't never seen them before. No, 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 because I, I don't have a separate life. But so many people have separate lives, and they wonder why they can't grow and mature in the things of God. It's because you have pockets of friends. See, you got this pocket of friends for this. See, I know I can hang out with them and do this because they're not going to judge me, and they and they understand, so these are the friends that I do this with. But then I got these friends that these are my church friends, so I act this way with my church friends, and then and it's all good because now I can put on. No, no, we're not saying put on masks. These are my people. We do everything together. And this is a part of spending time together. And when you spend time together, there brings unity. There's bring harmony. There's going to be conflict that's going to arise. Because when you spend time with people and you get to know people, develop them relationships, guess what? You get to learn things about people that might rub you the wrong way. But guess what? We develop them relationship, and we work ourselves through it. And you work through those issues. And if you're married, you know about that. You work through some issues. <laughs> the marriage is developed in relationship. <laughs> but the point is, is that I learned how to do life with other believers because I know there's strength and encouragement here. The only reason I'm standing with you right now is because I learned how to do life in a community of believers. I didn't do it separate. I tried to do it separate at the beginning, and that was tiring, and I was confused, and I was going back and forth. Do I really want to be saved or do I really want to live like this? And the moment I decided that I'm serious about my pursuit in God and and I gave my time and devoted my time to God and to the fellowship with other believers, guess what? My relationship with God began to grow stronger. But the longer I was pushing it off and playing the fence, guess what? Confusion, roots didn't grow deep, but now my roots grow deep now. Because I don't neglect the fellowship with other believers because I know there's strength here. But if you constantly neglect the fellowship of other believers and growing, and this is the thing, nobody's saying that it's going to be perfect. We can't expect perfection. If you expect a perfection from me, I'm sorry, I'm going to just let you know I'm going to let you down because I'm not perfect. There's only one that is perfect. He will never let you down. We're just in this journey together to draw closer to him. We're in this journey to encourage each other when we do have hardships and difficulties that we say, hey, that's okay. I'm going to put my arm around you. We're going to walk this thing out together. We're going to share a meal together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. If you're in need, I'm going to help you meet that need if I can. We're going to do that. If you need help moving, guess what? I'm going to help you move. You, you need help cutting some grass? If I can help, I'm going to help you. Oh, you need a meal cooked? I'm going to cook you that meal. Oh, I heard you saying that you you need it. You need it uh, this guess what I bought it for you. What is this? This is what we just read in the book of Acts, and I feel like the, the power in the book of Acts was their ability to do life together and spend time to not just do life together, but do it while praising God, do it while doing it while drawing closer to God. And I feel like when the church comes together, and we implement, we do life together, we spend time together, we don't neglect our fellowship together. That's why I love life groups so much. And we have a lot of things in store with life groups in the coming future that's going to make them even better. But, but we're trying to build community here that when anyone new or you've been around a long time, you come in, you feel a part of the community because we're not trying to run anybody away. We're trying to say, because why? In the book of it says they added to their numbers those being saved daily, meaning that everybody came in, they saw the community. I want to be a part of that. Who wants to be a part of something that's divisive? Who wants to be a part of something that's murmuring and complaining? Oh, you got to watch out for that one because you know, mm mm-mm, they something. No, we don't need that. It's unity and harmony. And when we come together in unity and harmony, it builds something great. And God says, I see my people coming together. I want to bless them. And things begin to happen. You know, some things that you need in your walk are found in the community of believers. But you'll never experience that if you don't come around. Some people, all they need is found right here in the local church. Whatever that local church is, it's found but because they're not consistent and coming around. They can never feel a part, and they can never feel like they have what they need because they're not a part of community. And that's what the world and the enemy wants to deceive you into thinking that you can do it on your own. No, you can't. You need a community of believers. But it starts with our time. How am I... Spending my time—is it in isolation, or is it in community? And the more community that you have, the stronger you'll be. Because when the enemy comes, someone could say, "No, that's a lie. I, I know you. You're talking crazy," and not in a rude way, but it's like that—that—that that, that sounds like the enemy. And you can say, "You know what? That is the enemy. Thank you for pointing that out. I couldn't see it. Yeah, that's why we're here together." To walk with, to help each other, to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, to look out for each other. But we have to spend time with each other. And the more that we grow in that time and that community, the stronger you'll be. Amen. 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 So I surrender. The first thing I surrender, I surrender my desires. I surrender my desires and I pursue sanctification. I surrender my thoughts and opinions and I pursue the word. And I surrender my time and I pursue the presence of God and community. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word today. I thank you, Lord, that you're showing us areas in our heart and in our lives, Lord God, that we need to surrender. Whether it's our desires, Lord, that we have desires that are off, that are drawing us away and pulling us away from you. We surrender those desires to you right now. For every wrong thought and opinion that we have, Lord God, that doesn't align with your word. We surrender those thoughts. We surrender those opinions and put them under subjection and under alignment to your word, Lord God. Transform the way that we think by your word. And Lord, we surrender our time. Lord, we surrender our time to make way for you. To make way for your presence. To make way for community, Lord God. Let us not neglect the fellowship with other believers, Lord God. But let us draw closer in community, Lord God, as we pursue you. And I thank you, Lord God, as we do these things that you add to our numbers daily. The Lord, that there will be no lack in our midst because we are taking care of one another and providing for each other, Lord God, as we pursue you. I thank you for this word, Lord God, that we all are called to a surrendered life and that you would give us the strength and the faith to continue to live a surrendered life in you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. A surrender life. And you could bow your head and close your eyes one more time. I just want to give one final invitation. That's for anyone that you hadn't surrendered your life to Christ. The first step of surrender life is you must surrender it to Christ. Maybe you're watching online and you realize, man, I need to surrender my life to Christ. Maybe you did at one point, but you strayed away and you want to come back. I want to pray with you this morning because you must first surrender your life to Christ. So if you're in the room or you're watching online and you want to surrender your life to Christ, I just want you to acknowledge God and just lift your hand and just let him know that this is a moment between you and him. God, I want to surrender my life to you. If that's you, you want to surrender your life to Christ, just lift your hand and I want to pray for you. Amen. Max, everyone just to place their hand over their heart. You can repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I surrender my life to you. I thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin and forgetting my past. I thank you for your mercy and grace. And I thank you for washing my sin as white as snow. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap for those that made a decision to follow Christ this morning. And if you made that decision, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. But on the back, it says, I made a decision. Fill that out. Drop it in the offering bucket. We'd love to connect with you. And if you're online, you can email us at info at newlifemobile.org. Or you can write a check or money order. We'd love to connect with you as well. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. And online, we're gonna dismiss from you guys in a couple seconds, but just give you a final uh, instructions and announcements. Before we do, we'd like to invite you out to prayer this Wednesday, August 23rd at 6.30. We'll be in here for one hour. Come out, have a good time and fellowship with us in prayer, one hour this Wednesday at 6.30. Also, we have our new life building campaign that you can, uh, you can uh, give towards. Uh, we have more information on that on our website. You could go there and find out our building campaign. You can give to that as well. But we also want to give you an opportunity to give your tithes and offerings. You can go to our our Facebook page. You can go to our website, newlifemobile.org, or you could download our app, and you can give. So we're going to pray for the offering for those that are prepared to give, and we're going to dismiss from you guys online. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give. I pray that you bless them. I thank you that you stretch and bless each and everything that's given today meet all of their needs, bless them and their families and all of their household. Let there be no lack in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in with us online. We love you so much. Love to see you this Wednesday and even next Sunday in the building with us. Have a great, great Sunday. We love you guys. Have a great day. Amen. Amen. And, uh,